Just a reminder, it is Friday, and that means later on this hour, we will have the news quiz. We're going to make it a little bit lighter this week, again, just to end the show on a bit of a lighter note. Right now, though, recapping the big story of the day, BC's top doctor says she is cautiously optimistic that the measures in place in BC are helping to bend that curve and to stop the spread of COVID-19. However, that comes with a warning that hospitals could still be overwhelmed if we see a rapid increase in cases. And that's why it is so important, Dr. Bonnie Henry says, to make sure people continue with those measures, staying home if possible when going out, maintaining at least two meters between you and other people, washing your hands and staying as healthy as possible. So the models released today were pretty impressive. When you take a look at the graphs and looking at what is happening in different countries and how BC was able to crunch those numbers and come up with predictions for this province, how do they do it? Well, Daniel Coombs is a UBC professor with expertise in mathematical models of pandemic growth and control, also part of a group of professors from UBC and SFU that is advising the BC Centre for Disease Control on their pandemic modelling. Let's bring Daniel Coombs in now on the line. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. Hi, yeah, glad to be here. Uh, So the models released today, it was a lot of information, uh, also looked at what's happening in other countries around the world, those that are a bit bit ahead of Canada when it comes to the pandemic. How do you take all that information and come up with these models? (laughs) Well, it's it's not easy every time. And I have to admit, I'm still digesting Dr. Henry and Dr. uh, Adrian Dix's presentation from this morning. but what I see uh, from the data is is a clear deviation from the exponential growth trajectory that the uh, province was experiencing um, maybe two weeks to one week ago. Um, the graph is definitely uh, bending away from that exponential growth. And so I think Dr. Henry has every uh, good reason to be cautiously optimistic uh, in her predictions uh, going forward. Uh, she mentioned that there will be people who were exposed to COVID-19 before the restrictions came into place, be it physical distancing or the travel restrictions, and that the numbers will keep going up, uh, but that that's to be expected. Uh, so, I mean, how, how important is that, that we know the exact time of these measures that are making the difference and know that there will still be cases from before then? Yeah, I think that's a, a very important point. The, the um, pe- people who were exposed to COVID, um, you know, um, up to two weeks ago may may, or, uh, may still be unaware that they're infected or may be experiencing a very mild infection. Um, and so it's, it's sort of predicted that the uh, total number of cases uh, that are being detected w- will continue to increase probably. Uh, my, my previous prediction would have been out to maybe the end of next week, um, but we'll have to see how that plays out, of course. Right, because that's when we look at the numbers, I guess what's important, too, is to remember that we're not looking at numbers in real time, really. We're looking at numbers that are because of what happened a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. It's um, Yes, people who were infected maybe two weeks ago are just getting the results of tests that they took a few days ago now um, because there are delays from exposure to maybe feeling some symptoms to maybe feeling sick enough to get yourself to... Um, the doctor or the hospital even, uh, and get a test at that point. Uh, BC changed the way it was doing the testing as well, as far as the number of tests and who exactly was being tested, in that if somebody is a family member of somebody who was a positive test, if that person 
developed symptoms, they were assumed to be a case. They wouldn't have actually be tested. Uh, so if the actual numbers are actually much higher than the test numbers, does that come into play when modeling? Absolutely. This, this has been an issue around the world that um, different countries, the first country was China. Um, at some point in January, they changed the way that they were um, uh, choosing who to test um, and uh, report the numbers. And these changes have, have happened in different jurisdictions at different times um, as the testing infrastructure has um, you know, gotten busy and, and even in a few cases become overwhelmed. Um, that was not the case here. Um, but what, what's important is that uh, I believe that the testing changes uh, happened around two weeks ago. I forget the exact date. But as long as that has been implemented consistently since um, it was implemented, then we can compare numbers today to numbers yesterday to numbers the day before. And so we can definitely see that we're starting to move away from that exponential growth. Uh, BC also looked at other, uh, to prepare for what could possibly happen here for possible scenarios. Uh, they looked at the spread in Hubei province uh, in northern Italy and South Korea and, and said we were closer to what's happening in South Korea than, say, northern Italy. Uh, how do you take the information from these other places around the world that are on a different timeline as far as the pandemic and use that to make our predictions? Yeah, so, um, well, there's, there's two factors. I mean, some countries were just ahead of other countries uh, in, in terms of the, of the epidemic. So, uh, obviously, China was, was the first country to really feel the effects of this. Um, and then um, South Korea and Italy are somewhat ahead of, uh, of where we are. Um, um, so, 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 yeah, so, so that's, um, that's, uh, that, that, that's one thing to consider. The other thing is the date on which the... Um, on which uh, you know social distancing provisions were implemented, um, and it is it is beginning. Uh, I think Dr. Henry said is we can co- begin to be cautiously optimistic that the restrictions were implemented early enough here that um, the hospitals are uh, well. Our trajectory is going to be closer to a South Korean trajectory than a Northern Italy trajectory, and this means hopefully that the um, hospitals will not be overwhelmed with cases as we've uh, tragically seen in Italy over the past couple of weeks. Right, and, and she talked about that as well, in that if that is the trajectory, then BC now has uh, knows that it has more than 1,200 ventilators and, and would have the bed space or would at least be able to prepare for that. Yeah, this, this is an important thing. When people talk about flattening the curve, but also delaying the curve a little bit, which allowed our, um, allows different um, health agencies time to prepare for the for the you know uh, coming growth in cases. Right, because is the the goal then, or the modeling then, is to look at that is is to flatten the curve, like you said, delaying things. In that, if there's say a second wave, or if this comes back next year, uh, whether we have a vaccine or not, it's knowing what to deal with it, or how many people, and what's the, what level of severity. I would imagine. Yeah, of course, um, and. You know, when we're rushing to prepare models, um, you know, uh, as we have been over the last few weeks, sometimes we have to leave out some details, such as the um, uh, effects of the age distribution of the infected population on the severity of the disease. So if a lot of elderly people get the disease, we'll see, um, you know, much more severe effects on them. Um, We're starting to build that into some of our uh, models now with the hope of getting better and more accurate predictions uh, going forward. Now that, and this is possible now that we have a better sense of maybe what's going on in the province and internationally. 
And when we look at what's happening in China and seeing things, we're getting reports in the last couple of days that that things are getting much better. They're saying there are no new cases. I mean, I guess you have to take a bit of a leap of faith that what's being told is the absolute truth. But can you use that then and and work that into the model of timing here as far as BC's response? Yeah, so China is in a completely different place than us because they, they saw the big wave crest um, and come back down, and now that they're now reporting that there are no new cases. And I think we have to treat um, some of these statements with a little bit of caution, um, but taking it at, at face value, we, we will hopefully in, in um, you know a few weeks or uh, more like months, we're going to find ourselves in that position where we're going to be looking at how do we move um, – how do we move back to normal life in a way that we don't end up with a large second wave of infections? And I think those are some questions where the, the models are going to be uh, uh, informative uh, going forward. Right, because I think one of the concerns is by even by putting the information out there today that we're cautiously optimistic, people might take that as a, a chance to take a breath and let our guard down, which I would imagine it's more important than ever to continue doing these measures if the models show that they're working. Yeah, and and I I can't stress that enough. In 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 my opinion, you know, a little bit of optimistic data for just a few days is absolutely not a reason to change the to change the social distancing that we're doing. Um, you know, the the trajectory could could easily move again. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't take um, a whole lot. I, I could certainly imagine uh, the numbers uh, <laughs> changing based on uh, changes in people's behavior now. Uh, going forward. Uh, there was just a, a news flash that came across saying more Canadians have now died of this coronavirus compared to how many died from SARS. Did we learn modeling from SARS or or is this based on lessons learned from SARS? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think part of part of the reason that, that Canada's response I think has been robust but measured has come from the experience of public health officials like Dr. Henry uh, who had experience with SARS earlier on. Uh, so even in the mathematical modeling community, um, SARS, I think, was a big wake-up call for many people in Canada. Many of my colleagues uh, worked on models of SARS, uh, following, mostly following the epidemic. And then those, uh, that experience um, came to bear again during pandemic flu in 2009. Um, and then people have applied models that were developed in Canada um, to uh, the Ebola epidemic in West Africa a few years ago. All right. We'll leave it there. Uh, Daniel Coombs, thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, fascinating looking at how the models are put together and that information, how it gets put out there. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Daniel Coombs is a UBC professor, expertise in the mathematical models of pandemic growth and control. Also part of a group of professors uh, from both UBC and SFU.